Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for High Velocity Radio. Welcome to Coach the Coach, helping business coaches deliver more impact in less time. We are broadcasting live on the High Velocity Radio show and the Business Radio X network. If you're a business coach and want to help more people make more money and own your backyard, go to brxteam.com. Lee, this is going to be a fantastic show today. Please join me in welcoming to the broadcast managing partner with Headway Exec, Mr. Doug Thorpe. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. Well, Doug, before we get too far into things, do you mind sharing a little bit about Headway? How are you serving folks? Yeah, Lee, thank you. Uh, Headway is my coaching firm, and we are focused on helping busy executives and business owners find new levels of success by improving their own ability to become better leaders for their teams and the, and the people that work for them. Now, do you find that most people, um, this is a gap, or do you think that most people who take on the role as the CEO or the founder of something that they just have innately some leadership skills? Well, I'll start with the gap word. I, I do firmly believe, and my experience of 20 plus years uh, tells me that uh, it is a gap. Most business people either uh, create the opportunity for themselves by being an entrepreneur and starting some kind of business, or they gradually get promoted up through the ranks uh, with the companies they go to work for. But seldom do they really begin thinking about bona fide leadership until, frankly, it seems like it's too late. Now, tell me about your backstory. Were you always working with executives? I know I'm a pretty much a frontline guy. So I've, I've come up through the uh, practical ranks. I was an Army officer for a time left that and went into commercial banking, but I was an operations management leader and uh, have shifted into the coaching realm uh, about 15 years ago. I realized that among all of my clients along the way, there was this gap that was ever present. They might've been really smart about their business, but they inevitably would always discuss challenges with their people. And that always boiled down to some kind of leadership fail and some kind of leadership issue that needed some work. Now, um, here in our studio here in Atlanta, I've been fortunate enough to interview a lot of um, executives that have a military background. Uh, Do you find that the military does a a good job of training for leadership and really kind of uh, helping young people blossom in that area? I I do. Uh, I came up through the officer ranks. I was commissioned out of college. So as an officer, leadership was a premium from day one. We were taught team building skills and we we were taught about uh, focusing on our leadership skill set much more so than our management skill set. And the management of process around us became secondary to getting an ingrained ability to lead people. And uh, 
I'm sorry, go ahead. And, and do you think that that's where uh, disconnect happens in the business world? Maybe there's not a big enough why a lot of times and it's hard for people to take the mantle as a leader because maybe they well, don't leave all the way. Yeah, the way I talk about it is there's an inherent tradition in business and I, I've seen it all over uh, and even around the globe. We take our brightest performers, our, our top producers, and we make them managers the first time we have a team leader position open up. And there's some kind of logic that says, well, if they're my top producer, they're probably going to be my best manager. Well, that usually turns out to do nothing more than ruin your best producer. And unless that person is able to move into that job and get some coaching and get some training about the new role and new responsibility, they are no longer a doer, but they need to be that leader. And that's a, that's a big leap for a lot of people. And do you think that that's where uh, business kind of fails that person that it's like you're, you're losing twice. Now you don't have your best producer and now you have a frustrated person that isn't managing well. So you've kind of lost twice. Absolutely. I, I think that happens more often than not. I don't have any hard data or statistics to that effect. I just know anecdotally after coaching hundreds of professionals that that is a common complaint. They say, I got promoted into management. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't feel comfortable doing this. Now, in your experience, do you find that leaders um, can be made? Or do you think that just this is some people are born with these traits and skills and then you can make them better, but it's difficult to take somebody without them to make them into a leader? Well, that's a very interesting question and an age-old debate among the academicians there are those that think it's the proverbial nature versus nurture argument. Um, I, I happen to believe there are those among us who are in fact born with some natural leadership abilities, and that's just simply in contrast to the rest of the masses, but that doesn't limit a person's ability to move into a leadership role. And I firmly believe, or else, quite frankly, I wouldn't be pursuing a, a coaching career if I didn't believe people couldn't be trained up to be better leaders. Now, when you're dealing with that person who isn't maybe the natural leader, what are some tactics or techniques you use to help bring out that leader within the person? Well, I like to focus on uh, the demonstrated abilities they might already have. So to the extent they've already been in a management role for a while, there's some kind of track record there usually uh, or, or that comes with them. And we can, we can start breaking that down and we can get indicators of, uh, are they good planners? In other words, do they have the ability to create a vision? Uh, are they better with the people or are they not good with people at all how do they how do they themselves coach mentor and counsel their people we can start diving into those dimensions of what they do today and we start creating a a path forward i like to encourage my clients to build a future vision of themselves and we start working to that end you know stephen covey called it begin with the end in mind let's paint that picture of the leader you think you might want to become and let's 
uh, gauge and assess the gaps that exist today that we need to work on to get you to that future state. Now, in the leaders that you've worked with, do you find that most of them come to you uh, with too much confidence or not enough confidence? I honestly, I seldom have encountered too much confidence. Inevitably, um, those that are out in the business world beating their chests with great bravado and hubris, they typically don't want to entertain a coaching engagement. <laughs> um, I think that goes without much other description. But those that do, in fact, pursue the coaching opportunity, I think they know there's a gap. They they have a kind of an inherent sense, and maybe their confidence is waning. Maybe they are afraid of being found out where their gaps are. So they do engage a coach to try to work on those things. Now, when you're working with someone, are they typically uh, kind of voluntarily finding you out, seeking you out and saying, hey, Doug, I need some help? Or is this somebody higher up in the organization that says, hey, Doug, fix Bob? I've, I've done both. The historic trend in my own practice is about 50-50. I will take executives that are pursuing this exclusively on their own. They just are really um, kind of introspective and, and looking for growth. But I also have about half of my practice where I am hired by uh, the um, talent management and development people of, of companies to come in and work with executives on uh, somewhat of a program basis to provide that leadership development. Now, when you're working with somebody that's kind of in a I'll say kind of a mid-size or an enterprise level organization versus an entrepreneur. Is there a difference in how you attack that? There is generally because the um, challenges in the enterprise type position, there are, there are a number of uh, structural things around them that exist. So we often have to talk in terms of the corporate climate, the corporate culture. We, we have to start dissecting those drivers that impact the way a person may want to lead. And if you shift over to the pure entrepreneurial realm where maybe I'm dealing with a founder who is sensing that he's hit a ceiling uh, he, he needs to do more with his business, but just doesn't know what that more might look like. Uh, there, there's a whole different dynamic that is often uh, driven by the individual's ego and their pride of creation for the enterprise. So we have to talk about that. And we have to work through some of those kinds of issues before we can really develop a, that good, effective vision of the future state. Now, here in Atlanta, we've run across a lot of people that are, uh, I don't know if this is a trend that's across the country, but uh, it's something we're seeing here. But uh, there's something called conscious capitalism or servant leadership. Are you seeing some of that where you're at that um, leaders want to kind of embrace this attitude of service and uh, the community rather than just selfishly about their career, make more money and more materialistic kind of avenues of becoming in charge? 
I do actually. The servant leadership uh, mindset is is very it, uh, it is a very interesting one, and it's one that I personally have followed all of my career. I, I can honestly say, before that was a common buzzword, um, it was a principle that I was taught by my own mentors, and something I just believed was the right way to do it. The um, it's interesting. I still maintain some very close contacts in the military, and one uh, retired brigadier general in particular that I uh, have on occasion on, on my own uh, blog site. And um, he and I have had long discussions about the principle that in the military, servant leadership has actually been around for a long time. The uh, the concept that the uh, the senior officer eats last. Um, the fact that you don't ask your people to do anything you won't do yourself, those kinds of uh, principles that are embedded in the servant leadership mindset uh, have actually been active in the military long before the business world got into it. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Coach the Coach, helping business coaches deliver more impact in less time. If you're a business coach and want to help more people make more money, and own your backyard, go to brxteam.com. Lee, this is my favorite part of the show because we get to talk about what I want to talk about, which is me. That's my favorite subject. Uh, Doug, I am not out in the marketplace as a coach for external clients, but I do find myself wearing that hat a little bit. For the Business Radio X Network, we have studio partners, people who are in league with us, if you will, running studios across the country. We don't have one in your backyard yet, but we talked about before we came on air, maybe we'd figure out a way to do that. I thoroughly enjoy the work, and I actually feel like I've had some success in helping people um, temper their early expectations. So if they are a little on the cocky side I don't know. I must have a knack for taking them down a notch. (laughs) Maybe I need to work on that. What I do struggle with, though, and I loved what you said about starting with the end in mind, and and, and you you mentioned Covey. Uh, What I do struggle with, though, is is not not, – it happens more than than I would have anticipated. Some of the folks I'm working with, I think their vision isn't big enough. And I I wondered if you had any counsel to offer in terms of trying to help people – realize just how much they could accomplish and how much they could become, um, you know, without steamrolling over them. Have you ever run into that where you've got to find a way to sort of build them up or, or, or get them to realize, man, I really could accomplish so much. That's a great question. And yes, I do run into that quite frequently. And interestingly, I run into it more frequently in the larger enterprise setting. And I firmly believe that um, there is a dynamic in in the larger companies that sets a course for where they are, and it starts with the boxes on the org chart. So somebody gets a role, maybe they're a unit head or a department head or even a, a senior leadership team member. But the space they're given, the turf they're given, is 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 very dis- has very distinct boundaries, and so I think that alone starts this process of limiting the vision. So 
people get bogged down in the next quarter earnings or the next year's forecast plan, and they don't see three years out or five years out. They don't think in terms of what do I want to be doing and what do I want to represent as a leader. And I have that this discussion frequently with my clients to say that personal vision statement is very critical because it is built upon your own principles and beliefs, and those should guide your decision-making and your interaction with your own people. And if you don't have a good grip on what those are and where you yourself want to take those, you are going to perpetually be chasing the corporate goal or the business goal and not your own direction. And interestingly, the the leader that can't set their own or can't state their own personal vision for the for what they're about and where they're going um, inevitably falls victim to everything else that's going on around them. So they're not living intentionally; they're living as a reaction to things rather than proactively moving a mission forward. And people say, well, my company caps that. You know, I can't say I want to be CEO. And I, my put back to him is, yes, you can. You, you can think <laughs> that in your mind, but you don't have to be obnoxious and interruptive pursuing that in the business around you. But if you have that thought and aren't being true to that thought, you're missing a lot of the energy and, as you put it, the bigger vision that could be there and that could power your influence today, and uh, that's why I think it's it's so important that leaders work on that part of their own planning. Well, what you said about taking them to their own principles and their own beliefs, I, I find that helpful, so I'm thank you. I'm going to try to apply that, and then it brings up another uh, kind of related question or discipline or or something to watch out for, I guess, because I think it's another trap that I've fallen into is maybe superimposing my beliefs or my desires or my desires for them. I think parents sometimes do this with their kids, right? Uh, and so sometimes I, I might, something that may be really important to, to me, maybe I'm a little too quick to superimpose that as, a, as something they should be trying to accomplish. So I need to, I need to keep that in check too. And maybe if I just exercise that discipline of, Focusing and 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 charging them to go back and refocus on what they believe um, and, and their purpose. Uh, is is that accurate? Well, you're right. If 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 you go too far, um, embracing your own personal values and then somehow superimposing that on all the people around you, that's by no means what I encourage people to do. But Rather, um, then I think we start talking about, um, and this is why I like servant leadership, because with the servant leadership, you are listening with a more empathetic ear to the people around you. You are hearing their values and beliefs, and you are trying to weave that together in the most productive team environment you can, being sensitive to the areas where certain people have certain things that they're not willing to do or not interested in doing. And rather than counting that as a total negative, you, you use that to empower the greater good around in the, in the team around you. 
Well, that sounds like marvelous counsel, and I am going to try to live into that discipline. It makes all the sense in the world, um, and I, I guess I have to recognize it's going to take a little work for me because I do think I fall into that trap. I mean, I think my motives are pure, but I think sometimes I want things for them that they may not necessarily <laughs> want. So thank you for that reminder. I, uh, I appreciate that, and I really will try to live into that. Very good. Well, Doug, uh, can we talk about your book, The Uncommon Commodity? Uh, how did that come about? And tell us what it's about. Well, it, it's an interesting title. It's called The Uncommon Commodity, A Common Sense Guide for New Managers. The vision in my own heart for putting that book together was to help a new first-time manager with making that transition from being the doer on the team to now the manager. And the, the content of that book is actually short um, readings, it's as simple as the one minute manager, but it's that style. They're, they're small snippets that people can look at and get reminders on ways to value your own principles, lead your people, work with the teams around you. And it, it, it's some real life stories that I've shared from my own growth as a, as a manager and then into more of an executive leader. So it's, um, it's something that when I published it two years ago, it, uh, it came out and my heart was to get it out to the hands of those first time managers. But I had a lot of my clients and people in my network that I've worked with over the years that came back and said, man, I've been doing this for 20 years, Doug, and I forgot about some of this stuff. Thank you for helping me re remind myself some of these uh, real easy to understand principles. Was it difficult writing the book or, or um, you kind of were able to just consolidate all your thinking uh, pretty efficiently? Well, the um, the ultimate production of it was pretty straightforward. I have been a, a blogger for about uh, seven, maybe nine years now. And so I went back through my archive of articles and kind of pieced together the these themes. And there's five different areas that are covered in the book. And I found that I had a lot of content already developed and I was able to just retool it and reframe it to, um, to fit the uh, theme of the book. And uh, that's the way it, it came to press. And that's another uh, good lesson for the coaches out there. Having a blog can pay dividends in, in unexpected ways. This allowed you to create a book pretty uh, efficiently just by doing the, the, the regular work of blogging. That's right. That's right. Now, before we wrap, do you mind sharing a piece of actionable advice, maybe some common sense uh, advice to help somebody make uh, better leadership decisions? Well, um, I think the, the biggest thing, and I'm, I'm going to stick with the theme of what we're talking about here, I, I would encourage someone to spend a moment and recalibrate. If, if you've been busy at your job for a long time and you haven't taken a moment to just sort of reset, rethink who and what you are and, and why you do what you do, it's always helpful to 
you know, maybe take a weekend and take a trip or whatever, but focus the time on really thinking through that and asking yourself some tough questions and see if you can begin that process of framing that foundation so that you then can start building a future vision. But if you're uh, lost in the weeds and you're just uh, too darn busy doing what you do, you're going to lose that identity. So you've really got to uh, commit to, to do that on a regular basis. And uh, th this is not just about setting New Year's goals. This is about truly setting a framework for how you want to operate and defining the kind of leader you want to be. And then building in time to kind of, like you said, to kind of reset and see if you're on track and assess where you're at, like holding right. yourself accountable. That's right. Good stuff, Doug. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story today. If somebody wanted to learn more and have more substantive conversation, maybe get a hold of your book. Uh, do you have a website? I do. My my blog is simply Doug Thorpe, and that's T-H-O-R-P-E dot com. All of my blog content is there, and I've got some uh, helpful downloads for people, and there is a link to the book, and I would uh, enjoy uh, getting to meet people through that channel. Good stuff. Well, thank you again for sharing your story. This is Lee Cantor for Stone Payton. We will see you all next time on Coach the Coach Radio. 